0: Well, this week we're continuing in our series that we've been in for the last two weeks. If you haven't been with us, then you should go back and watch where we've been because you're kind of coming in in the middle of the movie, so to speak. Uh, The messages can be found on our website, hipcommunityonline.org. But just to do a brief recap of where uh, we've been. We're in this series because we live a hurried existence. In fact, the inspiration for this series comes from the book The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. And the first week we talked about how as a society we hurry through life. We said that how we spend our time is how we spend our lives. And that perhaps the way that we're currently living, how we're currently spending our time, is not how we want to spend our lives. It isn't leading to human flourishing. We said that in order to find the life that Jesus created us to experience, that we need to do something different. We need a rule of life, a set of practices and relational rhythms that will root us in the way of Jesus. And then last week, we began to establish what that rule of life looks like by looking at the way of Jesus, the life of Jesus. You see, Jesus spent time in silence and solitude. And these are not the same as isolation. You see, silence and solitude bring relational connection to ourselves and to God. And Jesus spent time doing this before and after doing any kind of ministry. In the times when jesus would escape god would meet him there and god will meet us in our silence and solitude when we simply take the time to do it and so this week we're moving on to our next practice and before i get there i want to talk a little bit about desire you see we all have desires i woke up this morning and i had a desire to enjoy a good cup of coffee a desire to eat something a desire to go to the bathroom and chances are you had some desires this morning too and our desires are normally good we have desires for a reason. But it's how we try to satisfy those desires that can become troublesome. We all have desires that will never and can never be satisfied. Our desire for intimacy, for food, for water, for comfort, for rest, etc. All these things can be satisfied for a short time, but we need to satisfy them again. And sometimes when we're, we satisfy them, our appetite for them continues to grow. And talking about desire, I love St. Thomas Aquinas, who lived in the 13th century, had to say about desire he said that it would take what would it take for us to feel satisfied and the answer that he came up with was this everything we would have to experience everything and everybody and be experienced by everything and by everyone to feel satisfied and our desires are just like an itch that won't go away you know, usually once a summer I get poison ivy to some degree, and this summer is no exception. I've learned over time that if I can simply ignore the desire to itch it, that the rash goes away faster. But this year, in a moment of weakness, I accidentally started scratching that itch. And let me tell you, it felt great, so I kept itching it. And it was hard to stop because it, just, it was an itch that just couldn't be satisfied. So what do we do about this desire that we have? How do we satisfy our desires? Because ultimately we have desires that we just cannot satisfy. John Mark Comer in his book talks about desire and he says this, that the Jesus tradition would offer this. The human desire is infinite because we were made to live with God forever in this world and nothing less will ever satisfy us. So our only hope is to put our desire back in its proper place on God and to put all other desires in their proper place below God. Not to detach from desires as in Stoicism or Buddhism, but to come to the place where we no longer need Blank, to live a happy, restful life. Because ultimately nothing in this world can satisfy our desires. We continue to chase down success, more possessions, bigger houses, the finest fine food and wine and notoriety, and yet we continue to position ourselves as being on the right side of history or the right political side of the aisle, and we're still unsatisfied. We continue to increase the amount of time that we spend on our phones, scrolling through email, through Facebook, through Twitter, TikTok getting sucked down the YouTube or the Reddit black holes, and we're still anxious, we're still restless, angry, depressed, unsatisfied. And Jesus modeled a different way, a way of Sabbath to fight against this. A.J. Sabota, in his book, Subversive Sabbath, Sabbath says this, That The Sabbath is God's stand against the tyranny of always having to say yes. The Sabbath is God's gift of a no to us and our obsessive compulsive patterns of living. The The Sabbath is God's solution to FOMO anxieties. On the Sabbath, we are in because we are with Jesus and God is with us and the world does not define us. And I know that that word Sabbath brings some baggage with it. Some of you might hear it and think of uptight religious people. You might also think of the Amish or some caught of people that don't work on Sundays. It might take some of you back to childhood when businesses were closed on Sundays. For some of you, it might bring to mind Chick-fil-A or Hobby Lobby, which at the mention of those two companies, some of you might be ready to tune me out or turn me off or throw something if you're in the room because they've been misunderstood to be hateful companies. But I promise, I'm not advocating for any of those things, so just hear me out for a second. And some of you uh, might also be thinking, well, I I knew it. Here it comes. Here comes the patriarchy, the outdated laws, all the misogyny, all those crazy Old Testament laws, and again, I'm not. I trim the corners of my beard. I wear cotton poly blends. In fact, some of my favorite shirts are also blends. I also trim them to the sides of my sideburns. You see, this word and idea of Sabbath has so much baggage because of how people have kept it over the years and because some people groups and movements that have been associated with that. But What if Sabbath wasn't any of those things? What if Sabbath was something that all of us could start to practice, and not out of legalism, but out of a desire to live life to the full? And what if this practice could help us to experience the life-giving rest that Jesus wants to give to his apprentices, to his followers? So, a brief primer on Sabbath. Sabbath, or the Hebrew word Shabbat, literally means to rest or to cease from one's work. Now, we don't need more stuff or more things to help us to catch our breath, but what we do need is a break, a day to slow down and to breathe. But Sabbath is more than just a day, as we're going to see. Sabbath, when you look at it, uh, the practices throughout the Bible, we discover that Sabbath is a way of life. It is a way of abiding in the presence of God all week long, every moment of every day, learning to abide in God's presence. And I know that might sound amazing and wonderful, but who honestly does that? Unless you're a monk or you're a nun. And I agree, it's difficult and it takes time. It takes a lifetime to do, but it can be done. And I promise you that it is worth pursuing. And for it to happen, we have to be intentional about it because it's hard. This is something that my wife and I have been trying to do for some time, mostly since I read this book a couple years ago. And there are seasons where we do great and others where we don't Sabbath at all. And I mentioned that the first two weeks that I worked two jobs, in addition to working here at the church, I also worked another job. Um, And there are times when I've been able to Sabbath. And it's been so refreshing and life-giving. So now let's take a look at Sabbath throughout the Bible. So if you brought a Bible with you, go ahead and turn. um, In several places, we're going to be in a couple different passages. The first that we're going to be at is in the book of Genesis. So it's right after the index in your Bible. We're going to start in chapter 2. Now, right before this passage, the author recorded an account of how God created the world, of God bringing order out of chaos. And chapter 2 begins like this. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all of their vast array. This was the author's way of saying that God created everything, that everything above and everything below, the heavens and the earth, Verse 2, but by the seventh day, God had finished the work that he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Because the work was all done, God rested. He took up residence in his good creation. He made himself present in it. It's the place where heaven and earth overlapped, where God's space met earth. And he ceased from his working. Verse 3, then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So then God blessed the seventh day. He made it holy. It was a day that was different from all the other days. It was set apart from every other day. It was holy. It was a day that belonged to God, and it wasn't just an ordinary day like all the other days, because God chose it and set it apart so that in it he could rest in the goodness of his creation. God delighted in his good creation. He created Sabbath to be part of how he ordered his world. how uh, To be part of how he would bring about chaos, or order out of chaos, and how humanity would flourish in creation. It's how we were designed to live. It isn't something that happens after sin enters the world. No, it comes before sin. It was part of the plan all along. And then later on, God reminds his people that it was his plan, and that, that they need to enter into his rhythm of rest, this rhythm that existed from the beginning, and more on that in a little bit. So, so far we see that Sabbath is good, that it's something that God has created. It serves us as as a reminder that while we were made in God's image, that we are not God, that we have limits, and even the limitless God chose to rest. So who do we think we are when we choose not to rest, to not enjoy all that is good about creation, and to rest at least one day a week? You know, it's ironic that we think that we can afford, that we can't afford to take a day off, to not cease from our work, but the research doesn't bear that out because study after study shows that there's a limit to our productivity. You see there's zero correlation between hours worked, between hurry and productivity. See once you hit a certain number of hours, you hit a ceiling in your productivity and that number is actually about 50 hours a week, which ironically is about a six day work week. Just a little aside here, bad things happen and when we don't rest heart problems, anxiety, high blood pressure, and the list goes on and on. And we need to do rest or else we will be forced to rest by the health problems that happen as a result. All right, so God made Sabbath to be part of his plan from the very beginning. It was how he delighted in his good world and how we are invited to enjoy it as well. It was a beautiful world that was, it's a beautiful way that God reminds us that we're not God. Yes, we're created in God's image, we get to create and work for six days, and then we get one day each week to play, to holiday in creation. What an incredible idea. I guarantee you that no one ever taught you that about Sabbath. One of the next times we hear about Sabbath is when God brings His people Israel, out of slavery in Egypt and into the wilderness. You see, God showed up on Mount Sinai and made a promise to them, and more than a promise it was a covenant. like a marriage vow, God promised that they, that Israel, would be his people and that they would be his God. They entered into this marriage contract basically with God, and one of the first parts of that marriage vow was this, in Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. That is, set it apart and keep it different. It's not a day to continue to work, but a day to rest, to cease from your labors. Verse 9, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son, or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. It's a day of rest for all of creation. Everyone in the community got to rest, including the animals. Whoa! Everyone and everything got a rest. The land got a rest from being worked and being harvested. The animals got to enjoy creation. We hear, do not muzzle an ox whilst treading out the grain. Let it enjoy the harvest too. There are passages later on that expand about this commandment, and it's literally applied to every aspect of creation. Debts would be forgiven as part of the Sabbath cycle. Slaves would be set free because of it. The land got a year off of production. Think of how life-giving that would be. Verse 11: "For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but He rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And here we have it again that God blessed it and made it holy. We are to imitate God and how we work and how we rest. We rightfully reign in creation when we abide in God's presence and delight in all that is good about it. Mark Clark says this about Sabbath. So, the Sabbath isn't just a day for rest. It's also a day for worship. And by worship, I don't necessarily mean singing at church, though that's a great example. I mean whole life orientation towards God. He goes on to say that it's this whole life distinction, this orientation towards God, that makes Sabbath different from any other day, from a day off. Because on a day off, what do we do? We work, we do things around the house that need done, we mow the lawn go get groceries, things that aren't necessarily going to bring us joy and delight. But Sabbath is the only spiritual discipline that is part of the Ten Commandments. that God thinks it's that important that he included it here for his people. You see, in the Sabbath commands that follow, people are instructed to prepare for the Sabbath, to be intentional about planning for it. And the same is true for us. If we're going to take a day off each week to rest in the goodness of creation, then we need to work hard the rest of the week. So let's turn to the last passage for the day, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 through 11. Now right before this passage, we learned that the Israelites had in the desert had failed to enter the rest that God had for them. They were stuck between slavery, slavery in Egypt and the rest of the promised land because they failed to keep God's command. But that's not the end of the story for the people of God. Verse 9, he says, There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God for anyone who enters God's rest there's and also rest from their works just as God did from his you see God's rest has no end as we learn in Genesis chapter 1 his rest is an ever-present and ongoing thing god has taken up residence in his creation and we're going to have an opportunity to enter into that rest it is something that we enter into verse 11 Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. Make every effort to enter into that rest. It's something that we have to be intentional about doing. It's something that we have to put on our calendar and work towards, just like our vacation. We get all of our work done before we go on vacation because we know it's coming. The same is true for Sabbath. That every week we know that our Sabbath rest is coming. So let us focus our attention on accomplishing this task of preparing for the sabbath because the israelites in the wilderness they they didn't do this they forgot to keep the sabbath they forgot to listen to god's words that leads to life and in doing so they were disobedient and they didn't get to enter into god's rest and the rest that god had for them that is that they didn't get to enter into the promised land because they didn't trust enough in god i think this is part of our reason why we don't sabbath because We really don't believe that God can sustain his good creation. Instead, we think that we have to take control and keep the world functioning, that we can do this. But yet we're called to be still and know that he is God, to trust in God's rule and reign over creation. So to enter into Sabbath rests, as this passage implies, means that we need to enter into a right relationship with God and live out of obedience to him. You see, our rest is both physical and spiritual. Yes, we enter into a form of Sabbath rest by having faith in Jesus, but it's more than that. You see, Sabbath is an act of beautiful resistance against the dominant isms of our day, consumerism, materialism, nationalism, capitalism, and on and on we could go, because in it we reject our desire for more to consume. And instead we dwell in contentment. What I have for me is enough this day. It's a way of life. It's a way of trusting that God will meet our needs and our desires because our desires are ultimately from God and point to God, and they can only be fulfilled by God, in God. In addition, the Sabbath mindset helps to set oppressed people free because it considers those who are producing the things that I'm consuming, and it gives them rest. Take, for example, our coffee partners here, Phoenix Roasters. They work directly with the farmers in Guatemala, Honduras, and Panama to import coffee to the U.S. They're able to pay them more than what their coffee typically is worth, which gives the farmers a fair price for their commodity. And this allows the farmers to invest in their local community. In 2016, Pastor Phil and I had the opportunity to go visit a farm in Panama. And while we were there, we worked on housing for the indigenous workers on the Caballero Farm. You see, the indigenous people in Panama are seen like second-class citizens and are not paid a fair wage. Our farmers, the caviaras, were able to pay them a fair wage and also provide them with housing that has electricity and running water. The first housing of its kind in Panama for indigenous peoples, something that we take for granted, but the people of Panama do not. And that's what Sabbath, that Sabbath mindset does. It considers the cost and considers others better than ourselves. Yes, we pay a little bit more for our coffee, but we know that it brings dignity to the people that are producing it. I already mentioned Chick fil A and Hobby Lobby, but another company is BH Photo in New York City. They also do this, they take a day of rest. Now, they're also a Jewish company, and so their Sabbath is Friday night at sundown into Saturday night at sundown. And you can't even purchase stuff on their website on that day. Believe me, I tried. Imagine what that does for the employees, for the families, to know that I'm guaranteed at least one day off each week. One day off where I'm not going to be called into work because they're busy. You see, in Sabbath, we slow down enough to enjoy all that God has given us. But in order for that to happen, we need to be intentional about scheduling it into our weekly and daily rhythm because it doesn't just happen accidentally. Remember, Sabbath is a mindset. It is a slowing down to enjoy all that God has given you. It's a spirit of restfulness. It is working from rest and not for rest. Sunday through Wednesday, I am working out of the rest that came from the Sabbath. And Thursday through Friday, I work because rest is coming. As people, we need to stop our striving, to stop our working, to stop trying to fulfill our desires with things and stuff that will never satisfy. Instead, we need to be still and know that He is God, to trust that He is enough. To enjoy all that is good that He has made, because in doing so we learn what it is to truly live. In doing so, we learn more about the goodness of God. You see, we need to Sabbath. And so that's my challenge for you this week is to try Sabbath for one day. It doesn't have to be a weekday. It could be any day of the week. It could be, it could be a weekend, it could be a workday. And I know some of you might be thinking, well, I can't afford a Sabbath which is an indication of why you need to try this. Because unless we learn to Sabbath, we're going to continue down the path that we're on, tired, worn out, burn out, angry with people. So pause. Pray and invite God into your time of Sabbath. Because Sabbath, as our weekly and daily rhythm, will root us in the way of Jesus. So what day can you set aside? Maybe starting a day is too big of a jump. Maybe try half a day. What does that look like then? Because, remember, it isn't the same as a day off. Because on our day off, we still do work. We do things around the house. We get groceries, laundry, all those other chores. But that's not Sabbath. You see, Sabbath is a day to be still, to slow down, to delight in, to unplug, to act like you're on vacation. So as we begin to establish a Sabbath rhythm, ask, what is it that brings me joy? And for some of you, it might be taking a long walk in a park or going for a hike. Or it might be a hobby that you can't seem to find time for. It might be hanging out with friends and family. For me, one of the things that's part of my Sabbath is making sourdough bread. More on that later. And also really good food. And if you're not sure right away, well, try doing different things. Start with delighting in all that is good in creation. Enjoy the good things that God has given us and abide in his life-giving presence in creation. Again, A.J. Sabota in his book Subversive Sabbath says this about determining what goes into Sabbath. He says in Mark chapter 3, verse 4, Jesus asks a question that summarizes the purpose of Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill. Sabbath is for Jesus about doing good and not evil, saving life, not killing. Our family has summed it up like this. Is the activity in question life-giving or does it take life? That is, does it bring us life, rest, hope, wholeness, or does it drain us, pour us out, stress us out, or load us down? I find that statement very helpful in determining what we should include in our Sabbath. That's the beautiful thing about Sabbath, is it's meant to fit the unique you that God created you to be. There's no one-size-fits-all approach to Sabbath. So once you have your day, next, unplug. That's right, turn your device off, turn the notifications off, because we need a weekly time to do this. Maybe you're turning your device off is too big of a first step. I get it. I mean, it's a challenge for me because texting is how we communicate with other people. At least get off social media for a week, for one day. Maybe for some of you, social media isn't the thing that's distracting you, but maybe it's your email, your text messages. And as some of you don't have, have trouble with email because you don't open it. And I, I, I know that because I know what our email open rate is at the church. It's funny. So break from email or social media is something that I do on the weekend. I don't get back on social media until Monday morning, an entire 48-hour period, and trust me, you don't miss anything. The world keeps going, and then when you do get back on, go into your settings on your phone and set a time limit for how long you can be on social media. Once you reach that time limit, your phone will tell you at which point you can ignore it or ask for 15 more minutes. Once your time is up, you won't be able to open the app, which is an awesome thing. Some of you might be thinking, well, yeah, I have a password to my phone, and I can go in and change the settings to eliminate or increase my limit. And if that's you, then you have bigger issues. You might have an addiction issue that needs to be dealt with. Ask somebody else to uninstall it and to password protect your phone. Allow others to Sabbath, too. Remember I mentioned that in the Old Testament, they had laws that would allow others to Sabbath? It was a day when the entire community got to rest, where no business was open, where we... And while we can't regulate which businesses are open, we can change our practices to give other people rest. Use that as a day not to consume, to push back against consumerism. Choose not to buy anything on your Sabbath. Don't buy anything from Amazon and give those warehouse workers and delivery people a break, as small as it might be. It's a small act that brings other people rest. But you can imagine for a second if enough Christians would do this in the same community, Stores and restaurants might not be as busy, which for an overworked and short staffed workforce could be life giving. If for just a second they got to slow down and catch a breath during their break. Sabbath is a day for us to rest in all that God has given us, to be content with what we have because God has given us all that we need. We need to learn to trust in Him and to give, to give us our daily bread. It's a subversive act to our economy built on oppression of the less fortunate and the poor in other countries. It's a day that we set aside intentionally to see the value, the dignity, the worth in another human being. A day that we choose to give life rather than to take life and to consume. But Sabbath is so much more than just a day, it's a way of life. It starts out as a day that reminds us that we are wholly dependent on God, but it ends up turning into a daily, weekly, daily rhythm that gives life to, and rest to those around us, including the created order. It's a day in which the land has rest from us, extracting resources for us to consume. Our Sabbath reminds us that we're human, that we aren't God, that we have limits. It is a rhythm that embraces our finitude. And I know you might be thinking, well, but what if I don't get all my work done before Sabbath? Our work is never done. The to-do list is always going to keep growing. We're always going to keep adding to it. When I was starting my career at Ohio State, a mentor of mine who had been there many years invited me to do something. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I think it was a day trip somewhere. And I remember telling him, oh, I, "I thanks for inviting me, but I don't have enough time. I've got too much to get done, and I can't go. And I distinctly remember him telling me, Paul, there will always be more to do, so just take a day and enjoy it. Their work will be there when you get back. That statement has stuck with me, and has shaped how I work and try to enjoy my work. You see, there's always going to be more around us that needs to be done, more around the house, around the yard. There's always going to be more email to respond to, more text messages, one more thing that you need or want to get done. But it's going to be there tomorrow. And tomorrow has enough worries of its own for this day. Seek first the kingdom of God and all its righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Now in just a second, we're going to take communion. And communion invites us into a spiritual form of Sabbath. It's a reminder that we can rest in the work of Christ on the cross, that we can rest in the fact that, that the goodness of his kingdom, of his rule, and his reign is here. And we're reminded that, we, that he is the one with the ultimate authority over our lives, and he invites us to enter into his rest. So today, as we take the bread that represents his body that was broken for us and his blood that was shed for us, let us enter into God's Sabbath rest. Heavenly Father, Lord, I praise you. Lord, that you invite us to abide in your presence through Sabbath. That you encourage us, Lord, to give life to other people by how we live, by how we rest, by inviting them to experience all that is good about creation. Lord, when we find desires in ourselves that we cannot satisfy, remind us that perhaps we were made for a different world and that perhaps those desires can only be found and fulfilled ultimately in you and by resting in your good good grace lord i thank you that your kingdom is here that you provide us all of our needs all of our daily bread and so lord we pray our father who is in heaven lord holy is your name may your kingdom come may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven Lord, would you give us this day our daily bread? Would it be just enough for us? And forgive us our debtors as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Lord, would you lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one? For yours is the kingdom, and yours is the glory, and yours is the power forever. Amen.